And today I really wanted to talk about bitterness. Now, when we when we talk about bitterness, automatically we think, I don't know about you, but I automatically think of like some like older person who's set in their ways, kind of sitting in a corner with a newspaper and complaining about the world, nobody and living in their house alone. I mean, that's kind of like the image we have with bitterness. We automatically think the extreme. But bitter, in biblical terms, simply means not sweet. Not sweet. And, uh, you know, anything that takes the sweetness away is bitterness. It's, it's the, the de- demoralized heart that responds with negativity. And if we were all honest in this room today, and I, and I love it that we can be, Honest. If we're honest, we'll all say that there's probably some places in my heart that I'm bitter. That I've lost the sweetness. Are you with me? And, uh, you know, one of the things I love about having kids is I love the the joy of just watching them. You know what I'm saying? Of just watching them. They just have relentless joy. Right? They, They have unrelenting fun all the time. And God's been really speaking to my heart this past week about that. He's like, Josh, I just want you to have a little bit more fun. And I'm like, okay, I need to have more fun. And you can't force fun. But, but I'm learning this from my, my children. And, and Elisa, you know, she's, she's, she, she'll go through many uh, episodes during a day of frustration and things that disappoint her and throwing fits and all those kind of things. But her life isn't defined by those moments. And, she, and, and just because something happens to her doesn't mean that in five minutes she's not going to be up dancing around singing. Right? Yeah. But us, something happens in us when something negative in our life happens, when we get wounded, when we get hurt, we allow that to change the course. Yeah. Not just of the day, but of the week and of the months and of the years. And so what I'm learning to do is to be a little bit more like a child, to make my forgetter work a little bit more, to forget how bad the moment was. And to remember how sweet it is to just be a child. And uh, I'm going to encourage you to go back and and look at some of those people, you know, pull out that folder or box somewhere that you have and look at your second grade group class picture. Right? And don't just put it on Instagram on Tuesday or on Flash, what, Thursday, throwback Thursday. But look on there and look at the eyes of the children. They all got this sparkle in their eyes. They've all got this non-forced smile on their face. They've got joy. They've got pleasure. They're happy to be there. And then look at those people 10, 15 years later. And something's been lost. Something's, the innocence has been lost. The purity that was in their eye has been lost. Uh, I I love watching my daughter, Elisa. She'll, I mean, she can throw a fit. You know, you guys know how it is with kids. They can throw a fit. They can they can have a really rotten moment. But I've noticed that they normally don't just have really rotten, completely rotten days. They might have days that are worse than the others, but for the most part, they have good moments and bad moments in a day. And they're not defined by the bad moments. And so my daughter, she has this thing that she does. She goes, Mom, Mom, she'll go out and she, do we have this little, uh, it's a little jam box and it has like these four songs on it. It's, it's annoying. And you, you know, because I'm jaded and wounded. And so it's, it's this, it sounds terrible, and you play it, and it has like these pop songs on it, right? It's got like, I with my hand back and forth. It's got that song on there. It's got some other ones. I can't think of the other ones. But so what Elisa does is she brings that box out, she sits it on the floor, and she hits play, and she comes up to Daddy, and she goes, Mon, Mon, which means come on, Mon, 
mom. And then she comes over there and she brings dad. And then she goes and gets mom. Mom, mom, mom. And then she goes and gets brother and sister. She wants everybody to join in at the dance party around the little box. I'm in my hair. You know, she's doing her little thing. And she just has this unrelenting joy. Or she'll be watching Bubble Guppies, right? And Bubble, you guys know what Bubble Guppies is? You, if you have a, you remember around young children, you do. And so Bubble Guppies is playing. And as soon as the song hits, man, she jumps up. Whatever she's doing, whether she's eating or whether she's playing with something in her hands. As soon as the music hits, man, she jumps up. And she's like, you know, doing her little dance and going around the house. And, you know, doing her little, you know, say a little toddler dance. And I'm so inspired that she can just forget everything else and just enter into the moment of joy. And my kids will come in, and they could be having a rotten day, but, you know, we have these little things that we do in our house. We dance a lot at our house. Um, I know that one of the people in the house probably shouldn't dance a lot. Leslie, uh, just kidding. <laughs> Actually, she does quite well. Um, she's not in here, so I thought I'd throw her under the bus. Um, the, uh, yeah. And so, uh, anyway, uh, you guys know that's me. It's okay. Um, so... We had this thing. You guys know, like, the cartoon. I, I hate animation cartoons. Like, I'm just bitter. It's like a hard place in my heart. And so we're, we're, we watch, you know, whatever know. it is. You know, name it. The, the next Disney show, whatever. There's, like, two or three that I like, and the rest are just not good. And so at the end, though, you know, it always ends well, which is awesome. And then at the end, there's always, like, a song that comes on when they roll the credits. And it's always something dancey. So as soon as the show is over, every time at our house... It's dance time. I mean, it's like brown. It, it's like, it's automatic. Boom, music. You know, everybody's up dancing around, and we have this good time. But we didn't, Leslie and I didn't institute this. As parents, we learned it from our kids. We've learned that they have an unrelenting joy. But something happens along the way. Doesn't it? Right? Pride. Hurt. Different things, something happens along the way. And, and it's like before we never had to, you know, I don't have to teach my kids that. You know, you don't have to teach a child to run. You don't have to teach a child to dance and laugh. You don't have to teach it to them. They, already, they automatically have it, but somewhere along the way we learn to be hard. We learn to be grumpy. We learn to be negative. We learn to be bitter. Something takes away those childish moments that we can have. And I don't know about you, but I want to get that. <laughs> Are you with me? And so, for lack of a better word, let's just call it bitterness. Let's call it bitterness today. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, Work at living with peace with everyone. Now, I notice it doesn't just say live at peace with everyone because it's something you're going to have to work at. And you probably can't live at peace with everyone. But work at it. And work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. I think it would be appropriate in 2014 to say strive at living a holy life. As much as Negative. We don't need to strive. Well, I think you could probably put strive instead of work at. Strive at living a holy life. Work at it. Work at being at peace with everybody. You need that. You need that in your life. You need some grind. Come on, are you with me? For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Okay, that's important. 
Look after each other so that no one fails to receive the grace of God. And watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. So we see this thing that can happen. Bitterness can grow up. Bitterness grows. Bitterness isn't something that's just there. Right? you got to learn to be bitter. Bitterness is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And, and that's what he says. Watch out that no root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. Now, there's two slants on this scripture. Bitterness could be the state of one being bitter, but also as laid out in Deuteronomy chapter 29, this the same vernacular was used talking about people that would rise up and cause strife and problems and issues. And these people were referred to as a root of bitterness. So the writer of Hebrews is possibly talking about a person that raises, that, that comes up, that, that stands up and causes problems and corrupts people and troubles people and these type of things. We call this a root of bitterness. It could be a person. However, that person, to cause bitterness, must be bitter. So I believe it's speaking of both. You all okay today? Now, bitter, for a Hebrew, they would call anything that was poisonous, bitter. And again, bitterness is something that grows. Something happens. Something happened that took that sparkle out of our eyes. Something happened that took that dance away from us. Something happened. What was it that happened to you? We all got a story, right? We all got that history. What was it that happened? What was it? Think about that. You know what it is automatically. It came up right away, right, didn't it? My dad told me one time, he said, son, the only difference between bitter and better is I. You never forget that. The only difference between bitter and better is I. I was like, hey, that's good. Go preach. The whole series on <laughs> Exodus chapter 15, there's this story, okay? Moses just led the people out of the children of the, the, the children of Israel out, away from slavery to the Egyptians. They're, they they cross the Red Sea. They enter in. They're, they sing this song, and there's this song written uh, earlier in the, the chapter, the chapter before. They're they're all playing the tambourines. You know what I'm saying? It looked like a 1970 worship set. You know what I'm saying? Everybody had tambourines, you know, flags and banners, and, you know, people prancing around. I mean, it was crazy up in there. So then it says that Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea. So here they were. They're on the other side of the Red Sea. They're like, yeah, let's party. You know, 70s, tambourines. And they moved into the desert of Shur. They traveled in the desert for three days without finding any water. And when they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Marah, which means bitter. Then the people complained. Oh, here it begins. And turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. 
And Moses threw in the water, and this made the water good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, you do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all of his decrees, and I will not make you suffer in any of the diseases I have sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. After leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled onto the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They camped there beside the water. Now, we have this story of this water. Okay, here it begins. The children of Israel, they come, you know, great. We're on the other side. We're, we got freedom. And they show up and to drink some water, and they try to drink the water, and the water's bitter. They can't drink the water. So they complain. Right? Like they did for the next 40 years. This is where it begins. And so Moses goes to the Lord, and he's like, Lord, what's going to happen? What are you going to do? And God shows him a piece of wood, and he throws it in this water, and they begin to drink from this pool of water. And the water was made sweet. It was made... It went from something that could cause death to bring life. And then God takes them from there to a place that offers life. Are you guys with me? And so what we have got to understand here, I believe that God is, is, is teaching them something. He says, I'm about to give you something that is going to make the bitter sweet. I believe that he is speaking of the law in this moment, but I believe prophetically he is speaking of Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who comes, who, who, who didn't come who, who didn't come by the law. Come on. Jesus didn't come by the law. Right? Come on, are you with me? The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. So the law didn't come through Jesus. Life came through Jesus. Jesus takes the bitter and makes it sweet. The law was bitter. So Jesus comes and brings sweetness and, and the, the thing that would cause us, you know, Paul says that, that the law shows us how wicked we are. So the thing that we, that we would consume, that would, that would bring harm to us, Jesus comes and fulfills it and brings sweetness. And now all of a sudden the commands, the decrees of the Lord are pleasurable. They're life-giving. Now, I believe that we as a people are called, this is part of our mission, part of our vision here at Overflow Church, is that we would be people, rivers of living water. Now, sadly, the reputation of the church is not rivers of living water, right? The, the reputation of the church is kind of bitter water. So I believe what God wants to do is he wants to come and make the bitter water sweet. He wants to make the bitter water sweet. Now, personally, I don't think that the church is in that bad of shape. <coughs> we, we, listen, if anybody's got to believe in the church, it's got to be the church. Right. Come on. There might be some bitter issues, but we need, to, we need to stop complaining about one another, stop shooting one another. Listen, it is the one time, what happened to me about 10 years ago, I was preaching a message, I was like, the church just needs to get it together, and the, and the Father spoke to me right while I was preaching. And he said, that's you, my bride, you're talking about. Yeah. Amen. I was like, oh, that's God's woman. So think about that in your next Facebook post, exposing somebody. You're talking about how bad the church is. How about you raise up? How about you be the salt of the world? How about do something about it and quit complaining? 
Because complaining is draining. Come complaining on. doesn't do any good. Woo. Come on. The only thing that does any good is for you to step it up. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. I'm going to explode. We don't need more alarmists. Yeah. You think we need another alarmist in the world? <laughs> need somebody else to tell, tell everybody knows how screwed up the world is. Yeah. We all know how screwed up the world is. We all know how screwed up the church is. But did you know that the church is perfectly loved? And we might not be a perfect bride, but we have a perfect bridegroom. And he is perfecting us. And it, there will be trials. There will be hardships. And I don't know why I'm getting on this today, but it's here. We've, we, we, we've got to drink. We've, we've got to allow the cross. The wood that God sent Amen. to purify us. Yeah. That we would no longer be a bitter water, but we would be a sweet water bringing life. Yeah. Because we are a wellspring of living water. You are a wellspring. Yeah. What kind of water are you producing? Is it bitter water? Because you can only produce what you are. Yeah. You can only produce what you are. So is it bitter water or is it sweet water? Sweet water. Come on. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on. You are the beloved one of God. You are. That's who you are. And you got some issues in your life. I got some issues in mine, some some hardness, some, some, some crusty places of my heart that need to be dealt with. But we've got to start producing the better water. The life-giving water. Alright. So when I think about this issue of bitterness, I, I, I think I think it goes a lot more. I, I was trying to wrestle, you know, what is what is the right term for this? Because it, it's more than just bitterness. Because we automatically think old person sitting in a chair, that type of thing. But there's also this issue of frustration, this issue of anger, this issue of disappointment. These all these issues that are what I want to call tension of the soul issues. Are you guys with me? It's like your soul is in tension. How I many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Like you're just like, ah, you're stressed out about it, right? You're frustrated. You're like me, nothing frustrates you more than being frustrated. Right? So, oh, I'm so frustrated. I'm frustrated that I'm frustrated. Yeah. But frustration never leaves. I mean, it doesn't do any good to be frustrated. It doesn't do any good to be stressed. Our, our pastor in, in Amarillo used to say, he'd say, worry really does work because most of the things you worry about never happen. So. But we have this tension of soul. So I want to talk today about letting peace rule. Not allowing the tension to rule. Not allowing the bitterness to rule. Not allowing the frustration or the anger or the disappointment to rule. But to let peace rule. And let me just say this. The peace doesn't rule because you put your chi on. Because you do the planking duck position this morning whenever you were doing your yoga. Right? Come on, are you, are you with me? Your peace doesn't come because you eat at the right sushi restaurant and put the little coin in the fat man's basket. You know what I'm saying? That does not bring peace. <laughs> peace and, and let me say this. Peace isn't, peace isn't the absence of trouble. Peace isn't the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of promise. So don't think that you're at peace just because everything around you is good and there is nothing difficult. No, it's peace in the midst of it. It's the presence of the promise. 
It's not found in the absence of trouble. Colossians chapter 3. Y'all okay with me? Yeah. All right. Colossians chapter 3 says this. And when I'm preaching good, you guys got to like preach back at me. That makes it bad. Yeah. <laughs> and then I finish what you're because I'm not saying, come on. Are you with me? Yeah, okay. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Yes. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. You're called to peace. It's for you. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want to focus on this statement, letting the peace of Christ rule. Letting the peace. Notice that it's letting the peace of Christ rule. Come on. The greatest, we've been talking a lot about this in the series. The the greatest disruptor of peace is you and I. Right? The bitterness is I. So we need to remove me from the scenario and let Jesus and his kingship rule with peace because that's what he does. That's what he does. (laughs) So how do we let peace rule? Number one. We embrace by embracing our identity. Embracing your identity. This is how you let peace rules. You re- recognize that, and as Colossians 3 3 says, that your life is hidden with Christ. You recognize that you have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you that live, but Christ that lives in you. That you that you have, have come to grips with the fact that you are not your own. That you belong to Him. That you're a child of God. Come on. Jesus can rule. You've got to get it. I'm his. He's the prince of peace. He rules my life. He is in charge. He's driving the truck. Come on. And I'm just along for the ride. That's your identity. Your life is hidden in him. And if he's the ruler of peace, let him rule it. And listen, this is the thing. is So many times we... We, we define our identity to what has happened to us. Yeah, hey, my name is Josh Brown, and this is my story. <laughs> this happened, and it sucked. This happened, and it sucked. Everything was terrible. Don't you want to hear how rotten everything was? No, nobody really cares to hear about that. In fact, you want to get people away from you? Just yeah. tell them how rotten everything is. They won't want to be around you. Now, there is a story, come on, and you might have gone through hardships, but you better find a way to glorify the Lord in it and recognize that your life is hidden in Him. Listen, it's time that we stop remembering what has happened to us and start remembering what happened at the cross. Yeah. It's time you stop remembering what has happened to you, what you're going through, with difficulty you're facing and start remembering what happened at the cross because there wasn't just one man that died on the cross that one that day. You also died there. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. This, this, this is liberating. It's not like, oh, I gotta lay down my life and my will. <laughs> you do, but it's a beautiful exchange, baby. Yeah. 
because all of a sudden the king of the universe, the ruler of the ages, the great lover of all times is driving the truck. It's good. Embrace your identity. You're his. That was hard, Lord. Good thing I'm yours. Number two. We allow the peace of God to rule in our hearts through extending forgiveness. Because you are forgiven, because you are a child of God, you can freely extend forgiveness. See, the person that can't extend forgiveness is the one who has forgotten what he has been forgiven of. So when you start thinking about what somebody's done to you, and you start building up an account in your heart towards them, remember the account that you built up towards God and how Jesus just eliminated the debt. The best way to forgive somebody is to remember how much you've been forgiven from them. Whoa, but nobody ever did that to Jesus. Dude, Jesus has been cheated on. He's been stolen from. His heart has been broken. He's been rejected, betrayed, and murdered by mankind. Tell him your story. The good thing is, is he's acquainted with grief. He's not insensitive towards your issues, but are you working through them or are you set on it? I hear people make statements like this. Well, I forgive, but I could never forget. That is not a, that is not a forgiveness statement. Forgiveness means that you're open to restoration. Oh. If you're not open to restoration, you don't have forgiveness in your heart. Now listen, I'm not condemning you today, but you need to start working towards that. You gotta extend forgiveness to who hurt you, or to what situation that happened, or what you even did to yourself. Bitterness always starts at, at hurt or an offense. It always is rooted there. It always begins there. Someone hurt me. They said something. This will happen in the body. We'll be in relationship. Some of you in this room today, you might already be offended at me. If not, you will be. There will be opportunity for us to get offended with one another. But will we show the greatest expression of love that we can show? which is forgiveness. It's the greatest expression of love you can ever offer. It's forgiveness. We're talking about forgiveness. I can, I can forgive, but I can never forget. What does that mean? What does that even mean? I hear the people make this. It's like, you better learn to, you, you won't forget because your forgetter doesn't work. Come on, mine doesn't either. But you better learn to love them. To pray for them. Whenever I'm dealing with unforgiveness towards someone, I'll pray for them. Yeah. Father, I just pray for them. I see them the way you see them. Adored. Weak and mean. <laughs> 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 see how we just <laughs> Like you are there. 
It's not being fake, it's being full of faith. Yeah. We're so worried, ooh, being authentic. Stronger than I act like the devil. Well, that's authentic to you? Great. <laughs> we found somewhere else to fellowship. Y'all know I'm playing. All right. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 38. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Can the Holy Spirit be grieved? Yeah. Can God be grieved? Yeah. Sure can. Do not be grieved the Holy Spirit of God, for whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of bitterness. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ. God forgive you. Forgiveness. You can't move on until you issue some forgiveness. It'll keep you right there for the rest of your life. I don't know, you're probably like me. You don't want to stay there. So you're going to have to move on. Doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be best friends with that person. But what have you done to extend forgiveness? Just in your heart? I'll forgive them. And then when you see them, it's awkward. Anger rises up. These are indicators. These are indicators of the greater issue. Forgive them. Clean slate. It's hard, right? How many know that forgiveness is a process? It's not not always a destination, right? It will be. I believe you can get to that point where it is. But as long as you're working in process, come on, are you with me? God, God, God works with what, what, what we're, as we surrender. Are you with me? It's probably not a boom tomorrow. It's all good. I forgive. Thanks, Josh, for the great message. I forgive them, right? And then tomorrow they show up, right? Or they call and you're like, oh, that was awkward. God's like, well, you didn't forgive them yet, right? Let's work on it, right? But you were extending it. You're working on it. Okay. Y'all good? So embrace your identity, extend forgiveness. Number three, by executing authority with words. Okay. Now I told y'all how much I love my kids and we dance and all that stuff, right? We got that. I love my children. However, sometimes love means discipline my kids. It means discipline my kids, right? When I show up, when I get home from work and we have our little celebration party around daddy because he's home, my favorite part of the day usually. And so after that, sometimes, now, now the first thing that happens is as soon as I walk in the room, authority is established. Right? You guys know how it is when your dad shows up, you've been doing something wrong, you're like, oh, sucker. Right? So you walk in and boom. As soon as, that, as soon as that person walks in that has the authority, you know they're there. It's like if a police officer walked in the room right now, authority would be established. Right? And you're automatically thinking about how did you drive today? Is everything okay in your car? Do you have a warrant for your arrest? Right? You're thinking about all this stuff. Right? Because when authority has walked in the room, it's established. However, no authority is executed until a word is spoken. Until they're like, uh, Nathan Hernandez? <laughs> right? No authority is established until a word is spoken. Authority is exercised when you speak. Are you guys with me? Authority is exercised when you speak. So I can come in with my kids 
and I'm there, and that represents some authority. But until I say something to them, I have not exercised my authority. Judah can be going, running around, jumping on the couch, which he's not supposed to do. And I can just sit there. The authority is there. But until I speak and say, Judah, stop jumping on the couch, authority has not been expressed. Listen, when you speak, authority is released. When Jesus was, Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus is in the storm, right? He's down there sleeping. The disciples are freaking out. Oh, the storm, Jesus, wake up, Jesus. He gets up and he speaks to the storm. How I many you know the authority was there against the storm the whole stinking time? But until Jesus spoke, the storm didn't pass. Matthew 17 and Matthew 21, Jesus said, say to the mountain, be removed. There's a great authority when you speak. Great authority. Listen, it's one thing to have a book of promises. It's another thing to have those promises activated. And when you speak, just like that, things happen. Listen up. Words are a reaction of the heart, right? Words are a reaction. When you speak, Jesus taught, taught us this, right? Our mouth is the overflow of our heart. What is in our heart is going to come out when we speak. We got to like fix that. This is probably crazy. When you when you when you speak, something happens. I lost my train of thought. All right. So words are a reaction from the heart. So we we know that, right? We do something, something comes out of our mouth. Right? They deceive our heart. They show what's in our heart. They, 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 they tell on our heart. However, faith responds and leads our heart through words. So when you start declaring things, when you start speaking things in the atmosphere, they might be things that you know are true, but they're not happening. Right? And so what we do many times is all we do is we speak of what's going on. It's like this. It's like me going in the living room. Judas in the living room, jumping on the on the on the uh, on the sofa, running around, and I'm going. Look, Judas jumping on the sofa. The sofa's being jumped on. Judas running around the room. Hey, can you guys hear Judah? He's talking. No, faith says stop it. Authority says quit jumping on the couch. Are you guys with me? So it's one thing to speak about what's going on. It's another thing to speak to the situation. Yeah. Now listen, I know that people have gotten way out of hand with all this talking stuff, right? Yeah. Or people are like, or like they're, they're, this is the one that really gets on my nerves. They're sick, right? They got like a cold and they're going around going, I'm not sick, I'm healed. It's like, you are sick, that's okay, but you're also healed. Jesus paid the price for you. Yeah. I don't go around in denials and oh, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. Right? I'm not wearing a denim jacket. I'm not wearing a denim, <laughs> denim jacket. You know, that would be lying. I'm, den- I'm wearing a denim jacket, but I'm going to take it off because it's hot in here. Right? You guys okay? Check this out. James chapter 3. I need to move on. Now, we all know that this has been abused. Come on. We all know that. However, there are great power in your words to not just change your situations, but to change your heart. So you need to stop going every time something's negative. Get on Facebook being like, oh, it's just so hard. It's just so difficult. Everything's negative, 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 negative. And start saying, I believe that God is good. You know what? When something bad happens to me, I don't ever really say anything about it. 
I'm going to say something that Leslie about it, man, this is hard, this is difficult, but let's just get through it. I'm going to glorify the Lord. I'm mostly going to speak the greater reality. The greater reality. James chapter 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. But it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by small sparks. The, sun, the, the tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. Sets the whole course for his life on fire. And itself is set on fire by hell. So our tongue is a controller. It's not just a revealer. It's also a controller. So what are you speaking today? What kind of authority are you exercising when you speak are you speaking the authority of the storm? Are you speaking the authority of the sun? And you are a son. And you do have authority. This is why Jesus said, say to the mountain, be removed. So that's why you speak to the storm, peace be still. You don't just sit in there and go, storm's really bad. It sucks being at sea today. It's so hard being at sea. What, what are you going to do? Just sit around and talk about how bad the storm is? Or are you going to get up and speak against it? Speak the word of the Lord against it. Uh, Proverbs 18.21, we all know life and death are in the power of the tongue. I love the way the message says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. So begin to speak positively. Yeah. I mean, it's so negative with your words. I'm a realist. <laughs> Great. I'm glad you're a realist. But now it's time for you to be a faith-filled believer. Ooh. And faith-filled believers cannot be silent. That's good. So when we make these declarations over our finances, we're not we're, we're we're believing that God is providing for us. We're not talking about riding around driving around in Bentleys. Well, <laughs> that would be okay. We wouldn't have a problem with that. We could sell it. We could, you know. Do something with the money. Or you can just drive it. Do it. Take it school. All right. So you guys with me? We gotta start speaking with faith-filled authority. You have authority. So start speaking to those situations. Start speaking to the bitterness. That really hurts me what they did. But Jesus, you forgave me. Jesus, your love is enough for me. Jesus, your love is stronger. Jesus, you are kind and compassionate to me. May I be a reflection of your love. What are you releasing? What kind of authority are you releasing when you speak? Number four, it's about exercising gratefulness. Exercising gratefulness. And this is very much associated with number three. But listen, what gratefulness does is it takes your eyes off the situation and places them on Jesus. Gratefulness says... I got enough food. You know, when we pray, we, we're not really praying. When we pray for our food, we're not praying for blessing in most cases, right? We live in America. We don't really need more food on our table, right? Like more, more food in our $5 Taco Bell box, right? You probably don't need more food in there. So you're really not, you're really not praying blessing. We say that. You don't really need it to be blessed, but you're grateful for it. So when we pray, we're saying, Jesus, we thank you that you're a good provider. And you provided money for me to enjoy Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Right? So we're grateful for provision. 
or something else. All right. First Corinthians 15, uh, 5, 8. There's no 15 in First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances. Now, it doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. You don't have to be thankful for your flat tire today. Thanks. You're not getting a flat tire today. But if you did, you don't have to be thankful. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the flat tire. You don't thank God for the flat tire. You thank God that he's faithful. Thank you, Lord, that I had, that I, even though I did have a flat tire, that I have a spare in the back. Thank you, Jesus, that you provided for me once again. Yes. So be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will. Let me tell you what the will of God is for your life, to be grateful. I want to know God's will. Be grateful. That's the will of God for you. This is God's will for you who belong to Jesus. Be grateful. We're, we're, we we timed this perfectly because this is Thanksgiving week. And uh, so I'm going to encourage you this week for the next week, not just through Thanksgiving. But we do this because this is you know harvest. And we say, oh, we thank God. We give thanks for our harvest that has come in. Right? You guys know that that's kind of why we do it this time of the year. And so we want to be people that are expressing gratitude to God. Because gratitude, if you look back at Colossians where we read from earlier, gratitude is so associated with letting peace rule. So we, we're, we express gratitude through prayer. I thank you, Lord. I thank you that I'm yours. I thank you that I'm provided for. I thank you that I'm forgiven. I thank you that I'm restored. I thank you, Lord, that you remember me, Lord, that you don't you don't let the righteous, you, you, you've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children out begging for bread. God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, God, so much for what you do. Listen, most of your prayer time needs to be less upon your need and more in your gratefulness to God. This will build faith in you because you're remembering where God's been faithful. And what that's doing is it's stirring your faith for the now. Philippians 4 Verse 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, it's hard. How often? Always. Always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't freak out. But in everything in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So we're grateful through prayer. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. There it is, the peace. The peace guards. Where does it all start? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Don't worry. Don't freak out. Rejoice in the Lord. And that peace is going to come. You know, when we've made transitions in our life, it's just been, it always really comes down to these moments. God, I remember what you did. I remember what you did in Scripture. I remember, Lord, that I've been serving you for 20 years and I've always had a meal on, my ta- on, on the table. Amen. That has never, ever changed. So as we develop this history with God, we have this gratitude. But listen, if God never did anything for you again, this won't happen. But say God never did another thing for you. Said that he left you out on your own. You still have something to be grateful for because he gave you the greatest thing ever in Jesus. The greatest thing that has ever been given to us is Jesus. That is worth being grateful every stinking day, 24-7, every moment of the day. It's worth it to go, God, I'm so grateful for Jesus. I feel like crap today. 
We thank you for Jesus. And you you feel my affections. If he doesn't do anything else in your life, be grateful for Jesus. You always have that to fall on. That guards our heart, man. It just totally puts it in perspective. Where would you be without him? Where would you be? It always puts it in perspective. So we do it through prayer. We do it through song. You you need to start singing those songs at home. When you're in your car, you need to start singing, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your love. That's why so many of the songs that we sing in church are just about thankfulness and gratitude. It stirs our heart. It it stirs our faith, but it lets peace rule because we're like, God's got it all under control. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. He's always taking care of it. He always will because it's who he is. It's his nature. He can't fail. It's the only thing God can't do is fail. He always comes through. And then through declaration. So this is our challenge. We're going to encourage you to do for the next seven days. In 2009, I was driving. I had a 96 Blazer. And I was driving it. Big old gas guzzler. You know. Like a tree hugger offender. Driving to, I want to say it was a Tuesday. And I was thinking about our service that Wednesday. It's about this time of the year. And I said, God, what do you want to do? This week, you know, Thanksgiving is going to be next week, all that kind of stuff. And God spoke to my heart. He said, I want you to consecrate seven days that you will not grumble, you will not complain, or anything. You will only express gratitude. And this is before everybody was doing like 30 day, all of November, or whatever, expressing gratitude. So we developed this little website called Seven Days of Gratefulness. We put it up because this was a response to what God put in our heart. And uh, so what I'm going to challenge you to do is for the next seven days to do four things. Four things. If you want to go to that website, it's got all this there. Because number one, every day complete this statement. Complete this declaration. Today I'm thankful that God is, it's an attribute of God, friendly. Today I'm grateful that God is friendly. Right? Or that God is provider. That God is in fact, on that website, there's, I think there's a, a list of 60 or something attributes of God. You can just take that print and just you know, do like 10 a day or something. Today, I'm grateful for this in my life. God, I thank you today that you are my friend. God, I thank you for the friends that are in my life. And that would be your declaration of the day. Let me tell you, this is going to allow God's peace to rule in your life. Because all of a sudden, you're thinking about the things that you're grateful for. Not the things that are troubling you. Not the things that are frustrating you. Not the thing that happened to you 30 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 2 weeks ago. You're thinking about God. You're thinking about how he's blessed you. And then record these statements. Those of you that are on social media, do it on social media. Put your, you know, I saw this funny little thing yesterday about girls and uh, Instagram devotion pictures. You know, <laughs> it's really funny. Anyway, but you're going you're gonna to post a picture on Instagram or on Twitter that says, today I am thankful that God is my friend. I'm thankful, Lord, for the friends you provided for me today. Hashtag seven days of gratefulness. And you're just going to do that. Because you're going to tell the world, not how bad the world is, how we need a new president or something like that. You're going to tell them how grateful you are. God, I thank you that you are the King of Kings. I thank you, Lord, that you are the absolute ruler of the earth. We're complaining about how you can go the government made that decision this week. All right. Which, <laughs> <laughs>
record those statements. Number three, avoid, and this is the thing. This is gonna be the, this is gonna be the hard thing. Avoid grumbling, complaining, whining, all of that. None of that for a week. Not, not one time. Not about how bad your job is. Not about how wrong Pastor Josh preached today or how unengaged you felt during service. None of that. <laughs> right? Not about how you wish things were different. None of that. You're just going to think about the good. You're just going to think about the blessing. You're not going to be a realist this week. That's good. You're just not going to be. I'm going to try to be an optimist. I want you to watch what happens the next week. I got a, a, a message, someone I didn't even know from across the world on Facebook about, actually it was an email, and they had visited, I don't know how they found it, they visited this website that we set up to do this, uh, Seven Days of Gratefulness, and they said, Josh, I just want you to know that this has changed my life. Not only am I doing, did I do this for seven days, I've been doing this for like seven months. And they just, I mean, I was like all weepy. I was like, maybe it's ran its course, maybe we'll quit doing it. This is like in July. And they weren't even doing it around Thanksgiving. They were doing it like, you know, in the spring or something. And they were like, this has just totally changed my life. And I'm just really sort of watching the things that I say that are negative and sort of glorifying the Lord and be grateful for things. So I'm going to encourage you, quit doing that. And then on Thanksgiving, when you're sitting around, and here's, here, here, here's, here's the other thing. It's real big. When you're around your family on Thanksgiving, or whoever it is that you're around, if you don't have anywhere to go, you can be part of our family on Thanksgiving. And you say, you're going to pull out that list. You say, hey, guys, I just want to share something. This is the last Sunday I've been making this list. And you have a little note on your phone. Or a little piece of paper, however it is that you make notes. And you go, I, I just want to take a minute and just tell everybody what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that God is my friend.